This episode of CougarCast is brought to you by Waveform Sleep. Do you have trouble falling asleep at night? Maybe it's because you don't have a sleep routine. The good folks at Waveform Sleep have introduced something to the mattress industry that simply has not been there ever before. You see, they've put speakers inside of the bed that cause resonant sound waves to come through it. So all you do is you lay on the bed and it massages your body. It's pretty cool. It's pretty great. I have one in my house and it's fantastic. And what it does to help you fall asleep is each night, it's like Pavlovian. You get in bed, you throw on a little bit of those nice, you know, maybe you put on a little thunderstorm, some rolling waves, whatever it is that you want to do. Throw it on there and close your eyes, meditate a little bit and drift off to sleep. The bed will stop shaking because it stops when the audio track stops. So that's pretty cool. Um, go check them out. Waveformsleep.com. Go sign up for the email list and go check out their video. It's really exciting. This is coming to the market very soon. You're on the ground floor, baby. So go check them out. Waveformsleep.com. And now. It's time for CougarCast. Greetings! My name is Keith Schertz and this is CougarCast. And we are in for another week to discuss the Kalani Coaster. Now, we're going to try to leave that alone as much as we can this week. I think it's pretty clear where I stand on that. So... We're going to move on. This week, the Cougars invite and welcome a nationally ranked program, one of the best programs in college football, uh, to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to uh, have a matchup at home, something that just would have never happened if they were in the Mountain West Conference, right? One of the benefits of independence is getting a team of the quality of Boise State. Uh, Boise State is... uh, Coming to town, and the Broncos are 6-0 and on the season. And uh, let's make no secrets about it. The secret of their success has everything to do with having a blue field. The blue field, it makes all the difference. That's why they win football games. Um, it's just an unfair advantage. Their uniforms look the same color. It is kind of an unfair advantage. So much so that the Mountain West Conference doesn't let them wear blue when they play Mountain West teams. But putting that aside, obviously this is a tremendous, tremendous football program. They, uh, of course, came came to be uh, at top level of football and college football in 1996. They've made uh, 12 seasons since 1996. They finished with a top 25 ranking in the AP poll. They've done that 12 times in their history. The Cougars started playing football in 1922. They have achieved that 17 times. Um, I don't know what that means about the support of the BYU football program from the university compared to what the support that the university gives the, the Boise State program. I don't know if it's because they've been fortunate with Dan Hawkins as their coach and then Chris Peterson and then Brian Harson. Uh, whatever it is, uh, 
we know my great respect, I think every BYU fan has great respect for Chris Peterson, the kind of coach he is. Uh, Brian Harson deserves every bit of that respect as well. Uh, the man has been uh, a coach for seven years. He's 65 and 20. That's a 76.5 win percentage, folks. That is pretty impressive. His one year coaching at Arkansas State, he was 7 and 5. So, again, uh, that means that during his time with Boise State, he is 58 and 15. He's 4 and 1 in bowl games. So, Brian Harson obviously does a lot of things well. And here's kind of the essence of Boise State football. What I think the essence of Boise State football is, is that they are the quintessential prototype of figuring out what you are and then doing it as good as you possibly can. Choosing an identity and then going for it. Boise State goes and they say, we're going to play the most fun interesting intricate offense that we can we're gonna let the you know i mean we're gonna let you the quarterback sling it you guys are gonna have a, a an interesting time playing here we're gonna play a lot of trick plays and we're gonna do a lot of crazy things they had five different players last week line up under center five intentionally right um they they had an incident in the second quarter against the Hawaii they played uh and it was a 59 to 37 uh stomping now that's a lot of points points can be had against Boise State if you know how to move the football Hawaii does know how to move the football they just don't know how to stop the other team from moving it Hawaii offensively knows what they're doing Boise State uh definitely knows what they're doing offensively and that's kind of the thing this is like the most it was like the most Boise State um story ever last week when they had Hank Bachmeyer, who's their awesome freshman quarterback. Um, Bachmeyer went out and he was injured. Uh, and I don't know. He's been carrying an injury. He was doubtful before the Hawaii game. He decided to go. It, uh, it flared up. So then he, you know, went to the bench and was in street clothes for the second half of the a hit pointer. That's what they're saying. Uh, they haven't really said whether or not he'll be back. Harson said he'll be okay and he'll be back. Um, whatever the case, it didn't really matter. They brought in Chase Cord. He was the backup quarterback. He was prepared. Uh, didn't know he was necessarily going to go. 12 for 18 in the game, 66%. Pretty sweet, 175 yards. That's 9.7 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's a 203 quarterback rating, folks. That is killer. That is killer. And then for fun, they tried out uh, they tried up Jalen Henderson, and all he did is throw for sixty percent, eight point two yards per attempt, and he threw a touchdown too. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> and then beyond that, they put wide receivers under center, and they just ran things. And everybody, you know, they asked Harson about it. He says, look, the, the whole thing is it's more fun for everybody if, if more people get to touch the football and get to do things on the field. This is a team. Uh, everyone's expected to perform. Everyone's expected to uh, play their role, and everyone will get a chance to shine. Uh, that, that's one of the things that I, I really saw from this. A against a team like Hawaii, uh, who, like I said, you can move the football against, but... You know, Hawaii, you know, 
you can move against them, but you need to know what you're doing. I mean, it's just like when you play anyone, you, you need to know what you're doing and you need to have confidence in what you're doing. Your system has to allow you to do it. Hawaii beat Arizona. Everyone likes Khalil Tate. They get talking about what an incredible player Khalil Tate is, right? Kevin Sumlin and his great offenses, right? They couldn't move it well enough to beat Hawaii. And uh, here's Boise State uh, playing five different people under center. Their uh, star freshman quarterback goes down, who's led them to a 5-0 and start, a huge come-from-behind victory on the road at Florida State. And now they're the 14th ranked team in, the, in America. And you take a look at it and, you know, he's got you to that point. He goes down, bring in Chase Cord, and he just gets rocking and rolling. And this is the point that I think kind of puts an exclamation point on maybe the difference that you'll see at Boise State compared to what BYU is right now. Um, I just think... You see their backups come in, they're comfortable with the system, and they're in a position to be really successful because of what they're doing schematically to try to make things come together and really work. They, they are one of the more innovative teams in college football, uh, and they're one of the teams that's willing to take a risk, and they kind of understand what they are. They, they really do. And the other thing with Boise State, man, is... There is absolutely no roller coaster aspect to the Boise State Broncos since like 1996, since they started. I mean, these guys play hard every freaking week. They don't lose to teams that have no they have no business losing to. That never ever ever happens. And they win their fair share of really, you know, games against really good teams. Right? Maybe more than half it feels like, right? Boise's going to go in and it's them against another top 25, top 15 team. Boise State's coming out of that like half the time, minimum. So there's a consistency, there's a culture, there's coaching, there's a philosophy, and there's the Boise State way. And that way is super duper exciting, interesting, and it enables basically anybody who comes in to come to that school and be successful, right? They just, they, they constantly, constantly, constantly find these guys that come in that BYU can recruit, right? Same kind of caliber. It's not like, I mean, Tanner Mangum was higher caliber. Boise State wanted Zach Wilson. So, it's not like, you know, the talent difference is so hugely significant. There's just a thing where they, they bring it every single week. They don't have letdowns. And they play extremely hard. Extremely hard. So, uh, more times than not, you know, the, the off game for Boise State is just so rare. It is so rare that to me that that feels like kind of like the hope point for BYU that if BYU were to come away with a big upset they're six and a half point dogs at home okay six and a half point dogs at home 
right? That means on a neutral field, they're thinking that Boise State is nine and a half better. And if we were at their place, apparently Vegas would have them at 12 and a half, almost two touchdowns. Um, that's where we are. You know, one of the things that I think about when I think about kind of BYU sports and where we're standing, I, I think fans need to kind of figure out and and be realistic about the position of where the program is and kind of what makes sense. Let's talk about BYU basketball for just a second to kind of bring up this point. A lot of people say, well, we went to the West Coast Conference and we haven't won a conference championship there yet. And they make this an incredibly damning point. Uh, especially when they talked about Dave Rose and just kind of the failure of, of the program. Uh, despite having really, I mean, all-time talents like Kyle Collinsworth and Tyler Hawes. They weren't able to ever win the West Coast Conference. They still haven't. And to me, to criticize BYU basketball for not being better than Gonzaga over the course of an entire season is kind of ridiculous. If we were in the Big 12, nobody would be complaining that BYU hadn't gotten the better of Kansas. Kansas is a far better, far superior program. So there you go. You can't blame BYU basketball for not being Gonzaga. Okay? Consistently, consistently getting the best. And by the way, we've won our fair share of games against Gonzaga. The question is, is over the course of the season against every team, every single night, we haven't been able to be as good as Gonzaga. On one night, head-to-head, we've, we've beat them. They've beaten us more. But that consistency to battle and to just be great every time you go out has been missing. And, you know, it's hard to win games. It's hard to go out and find ways to win. And so you may criticize all those years in the WAC for Boise State or all those years in the Mountain West for Boise State and the wins over those teams. But the consistency to go out and to win and to win and to win and to win against, you know, mid-tier to low-end group of five teams has to be praised. Has to be praised. That, to me, is the thing that separates a lot of what's going on with BYU. Everyone knows. I mean, the Kalani Coaster... Everyone knows that with him as the head coach, it's always been the case. You're going to win some <laughs> against teams you have no business winning against in exciting fashion. Um, you know, he, most of his wins in those big games have come on the very, very last play of the game. So literally pulling it out. But they've won against teams that maybe they had no business winning against. Right, they should have won against Tennessee. Tennessee's not good. I know that they just won in Mississippi State. To their uh, credit, uh, they changed their quarterback. That helped them a lot. But one of the things that I think people miss here when they talk about BYU basketball is that it's okay with me to not be as good as Gonzaga. I struggle when 
I start looking at it and you go, yeah, but why can't we consistently be better than St. Mary's? Why is St. Mary's always better? And that's really hard to account for if you're a BYU basketball fan. If you're in that infrastructure and everything, it's really difficult to explain St. Mary's. It makes no sense. Why do they finish higher than us in the league every single year? So it becomes, you know, that's the trickier point. And the college football version of that, as it goes right now, is while Boise State is certainly not to the same height that Gonzaga basketball is, the the comparison's pretty darn close. It's pretty darn close. And if there was a true playoff like there is in college football, or college basketball, excuse me, a bigger playoff where Boise State could get a chance not just to play in the group of five, but to really play for it. I think, I think they might make a run. I mean, search your feelings. If it was an eight-team tournament and the best group of five team got to get in, over these last few years, Boise State would have been in a couple times. They would have advanced. So uh, they are consistently at that level where I think they can play football with the top 10 teams in America. Maybe, I am, maybe I'm buying that they are the Gonzaga, okay? That's, it's kind of interesting, right? The harder one to account for for BYU is why aren't you better than Utah State? And and that's the, the more recent development. But BYU football has lost three out of four against Utah State. They've lost two in a row. <laughs> and the game next week is the one that I think is truly the... Uh, I mean, if fans are already pretty up in arm, arms, but that's that one is... Oh, my gosh. And, of course, we're going to Logan. I'm just saying, that's the one. <laughs> truly, truly, that's the one, right? Losing to Boise, okay, fine. They're ranked 14th. Boise's very good. Uh, they will represent the group of five at the New Year's Six like they almost always do, year in and year out. And, you know, if there was an eight-team playoff, if they were given an opportunity to be in it, they'd advance. So, you know... We get a chance and a crack at them every single year. And we're going to win a few. Not Never up there, never in Boise, but at home. In some ways, if BYU happens to find a way to beat Boise State at home this Saturday, it's it's sort of like, <laughs> like I don't know, I feel like it's another like indictment on the like. I mean, obviously, it's better than losing, I guess. Yeah, it is. But because it's more fun to watch and sure. But why? Why Why would you lose on the road to Toledo and, and to USF and, and then be able to figure out Boise State? Like, it just calls into question a lot of things, right? About, you know, the consistency, you know, why why it is that you are... A roller coaster program right now. Um, so anyway, I think I think Boise State is what we need to kind of look at as a model and aspire to be them. And I think a lot of that deals with with coaching 
and Next Man Up and playing just the kind of attractive... I mean, look, they're drawing... I mean, people say, oh, well, you're in Provo. When there's nothing to do in Provo. And, oh, you know, and the... Like, come on. Right? They're in Boise. <laughs> it's a fine city. It's a fine city. You know? The, the bigger issue would be things like BYU's restriction on honor code and restriction on um, on maybe some academic issues. But I think, look, I, I just, I, gen, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy here, but I genuinely don't think that Boise State's just totally, totally, totally dominating. dominating. I guess I should look at the numbers. I could go find out what the recruiting experts think. You know, if they're consistently 30 or 40 spots higher, then there's no question. It's unassailable. They've, they've got better players. Of course they're better. But, um, I, you know what? Let's go look at it real quick. I'll be right back. All right, so we're back. Um, look, I just took a look at it. This is according to Rivals.com. Here we go. The 2015 team rankings. All right. Boise State was 64th nationally. BYU 66th in 2016 all right pretty simple boise state <laughs> was 54th byu was 48th about 2017 boise state was 66th byu was 62nd okay <laughs> so and you're gonna get the point here uh, and then this last year, there was one change, but if you look at it, it's, it's, it's a little deceiving. Boise State was 56th and BYU was 94th. Okay. So uh, part of what happened there was that uh, BYU recruited fewer numbers during that particular campaign. So... BYU had the lead in two, but just barely. Boise State had the lead in one, but just barely. And then just this very last time around, BYU got stomped by Boise in recruiting. 40 spots different. Okay. Um, so the point is, <laughs> is generally speaking, the trend shows that these teams can recruit just about the same level of talent. And yet one group is taking that talent and finding ways to be, you know, at the top of, you know, the top of their conference, the top of their kind of uh, group, I guess, the group of five, certainly. Um, and even in, by being the best group of five team, they're certainly better than the most power five teams. Uh, consistently, consistently, consistently in the top 25. So, look, that's that's Boise State football. They're 6-0. and They play fantastic um, they score 37 points a game. Cougars are in trouble. Uh, that's what their average is uh, per game. That's, that's just not <laughs> that's not a good position for, for the Y to be in. And, and you know, the, the reason, of course, is, is that BYU hasn't scored that many points in any of our games. Right? They haven't been in a position to, to really lay it on. The highest scoring game took overtime, and that was 30 points. So I, I think the, the defense is going to have to find a way 
against Boise State if if this thing is going to come out. And and then not only that, you know, you know they're going to score. You know that they're going to be able to find ways to put points on the board. So you've got to find ways to slow down the the different unique things that Boise State does um, to to beat you up. You know, they do it through the air. They're obviously uh, they've always always been a talented running team. They've always had the ability to put a couple guys in there, put their head down, and go and gain you some yards. Um, you'll you'll really like watching. Uh, I I like watching from Boise State out of their backfield. They they have two that they go with. The guy I like is Holani. He doesn't get as many carries, but he's the guy that um, makes you clinch up. <laughs> I, I, I think he's scary. Uh, he's also, when he's in, um, they're more likely to kind of throw in those scenarios. So you're going to see more screen passes and things like that when Holani uh, is in the backfield and, and looking to run the football. Uh, I, I really I really like his play. He's speedy and he's short, and he's just he's terrifying. Um, the, the other guy, of course, is the, the Cougars are going to have to figure out how to slow down and handle John Hightower. H- Hightower, like like I said, had an opportunity. He had a uh, a play where he had an option pass. He didn't. It was covered, so he didn't throw it. Um, but Hightower, seven catches, uh, 141 yards, and and you know again, Hawaii was who he was going against. But th- this guy's been explosive uh, the whole time he's been with Boise State. He's 17 yards per catch, um, and, and he's always. A threat. He's somebody you gotta definitely pay attention to and handle. He's been, he's been tremendous. Uh, you know, so there's nothing else to say other than Boise State's very good, very good. And the key with Boise is is that you have to play a complete game. Uh, if if there is something that you might like more when you play against a team like Boise State, is you might like to suggest that they run the football more. And the couple reasons for that is it it shortens the game because the clock continues to run. I think the longer that you give Boise State, uh, the longer that you've got to play at, at high levels of excellence, the, the, the longer you make those 60 minutes take, I think the more opportunity you give Boise State to expose you. I, I think it's a, a real problem that you'll have against them. I, I think that that was truly one of the issues of Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii passed for a lot of yards, they scored a lot of points, but they gave up 59. And I, I just think that Boise can can figure it out. I think you got to try to play a field position ugly, shorten this thing out, and and just try to find a way to, to grind your way to victory. Um, running backs for BYU played a little bit better against South Florida. Uh, I, thought, I thought we finally saw Zach Katoa play. I don't, I'm so tied into the what his recruiting is. Lopini, Lopini Cotillo, uh, he played he played better against South Florida. I thought that uh, obviously Jaron Hall, uh, when he ran the football, he looked dynamic out there. He, he's super athletic. I thought that obviously the touchdown run that he had was incredible. I mean, he was he was great on that. Um, struggled throwing. <laughs> he he wasn't efficient throwing the football. Um, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be uh, against Boise State. We may be getting Baylor Romney. 
Um, if we get Baylor Romney, there's a couple things. It's great news for his brother. <laughs> I think Gunnar Romney got more targets in those final two drives with Baylor Romney as the quarterback than he's gotten from Zach Wilson or Tanner Mangum. Um, I, or, or Jaron Hall. Uh, I think that uh, it's great news for, for Gunnar Romney. Um, I think what you're going to see if it's Baylor Romney is obviously a lot more passing and he's going to be more free flowing in, in that way and, and kind of let it rip. Now, part of that was because it was the end of the game and he had to throw the football, but I don't know. I just think that when you're the third string quarterback and you have confidence in yourself, you, you find yourself in the game, you're playing, the, if he's the starter, you're playing the number 14 team in the country, like, let it rip, man. Like, this is your chance. If you ever want to make a dent, Zach Wilson's a sophomore. Jaron Hall's a redshirt freshman. You're a freshman. Like, if you're ever going to move up the death chart, if you're, it's like, you have to do it. You have to go out and you have to let it go. So, I, I if it were me, I'd be taking more shots down the field and, and, really going for it. Of course, this can lead to more interceptions. This can lead to more turnovers. It can lead to more three and outs. Um, but I, I would expect him to kind of play that way. We saw what Jaron Hall plays like. He he decided that with his opportunity, he was going to be the starter for most of the rest of the year. And, and what he played like is free and loose when he was running the football and then he looked like he was in his head throwing the football. He he just looked terrified to make any mistakes. And, you know, to his credit, he didn't really. Um, throwing interceptions can really hurt a team. It can really cost you. And if you throw pick sixes, you know, you're, you're going <laughs> to, those really hurt. So I think he was just, he was just a little too conservative, a little too in his head. He wasn't kind of feeling it as much. And I felt like he was slow on his reads. I felt like he was given more responsibility to not just pick a receiver and try to make it work. I thought that he was trying to actually do reads and stuff like that. But because it was his first start and stuff, I thought he was I thought he was a little bit uh, timid and a little bit uh, slow getting getting through through his reads and and trying to find those windows that could really work. Um but at the same time, I mean, he made a couple plays where he just he threw it up there and expected the receiver to go get it. Dax Milne's one-handed grab was fantastic. Um, we also saw defensively, uh, finally, a team just committed to exposing BYU's lack of ability to stop a run defense. And then beyond that, uh, expose the... Well, I mean, we've been pretty frank about it, and I've almost defended the passive behavior of Elisa Tuiaki. Uh, BYU doesn't blitz. It's not something that they do, and it's not something that they've done. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of fascinating to me. Let me just put this out there. Um, the thing that everybody talks about, the kind of recruits and the, the area of the field that BYU gets and has more depth at than ever before, and it's because of Kalani Satake, is that defensive line. And our defensive line is got guys that look the part. We know Kyrus Tong is the man, right? I like Uriah Leotella. And yet we can't get to that quarterback 
we cause no pressure, and we let everybody play free and loose, okay? And then we drop, we drop eight, we drop seven every single time. Cover three, baby. <laughs> no deep balls, okay? And we're, we're just constantly, constantly, constantly on our back heels defensively because we don't want any big plays to happen. And then we died a slow death, right? We're up nine points going into the fourth quarter, and then we lose to South Florida because their game-winning touchdown drive, they did nothing but run the ball to the outside. That's it. Ten straight plays. A run to the outside. First down. A run to the outside. And he's loose for 20. A run to the outside. So we're, we're so worried in our pass coverage. We're so worried. I, I, we're not shedding blockers um, because I, I, don't, I don't understand how it is that we're not rallying the football quicker and getting there. Look, we like IU. People are really high on IU. Uh, I think, the, obviously, the best defensive player, maybe the best player this year, just period, has been Peyton Wilger. I think Peyton Wilger has been fantastic. It's hard to argue that he hasn't been fantastic. He's been f- tremendous. Like, BYU has players. Why aren't they making any plays? Right? Ugh, it's so frustrating. So I've plugged them the last few weeks, last few podcasts. But when you take a look at footballoutsiders.com, you know, one of, one of the things that I love on there, obviously, F+, BYU is 91st in America now, so congratulations. Uh, the overall rating of BYU's defensive line, okay? They're, so their line yards, this is all things adjusted, takes away garbage time, it takes away all this stuff, Okay. BYU is 122nd in America. <laughs> okay? We have Kairos Tonga on our defensive line. And we have talent. And this is the place, right? This has been the place with the most defensive line depth. Maybe in the history of the program. Because of the great recruiting efforts by Kalani Satake. And according to the stats, according to uh, adjustment for pace of play and opponent, BYU has the 122nd defensive line in America. Awesome. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, don't get that. There's only eight teams with a worse defensive line in America. But we're getting, you know, the deepest defensive line in the history, right? Maybe in the history. Those sort of platitudes. Thank you, Kalani. We just would have never had guys like this before. What's the freaking point of having a deep defensive line if all their job is to do is hold their ground and try to scrape free and tackle at the line of scrimmage? I mean, they're three on five. Four on five. If the running back chips and blocks, four on six, like, they're never getting there. And it shows. BYU's sack rate this year. So this is the amount of opportunities on passing downs and how many times they've actually gotten there. Okay? 
Their sack rate, again, this all adjusted, 118th in the country. They they sack the quarterback 3.4% of the time they have a chance. On passing downs, on opportunities where we know that the other team's passing, this is when you're looking at second or eight and longer, third and five or longer, fourth and five or longer, okay? Literally, those down in distances. In those scenarios, the Cougars know the other team are going to pass, and we've gotten to the quarterback 4.7% of the time. Like we know. <laughs> They're throwing. They're going to throw here. <laughs> More likely than not, throwing the football. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Wild. How about this? BYU's 120th uh, in the nation. Uh, with their stuff rate, okay? These are the percentage of carries by running backs that are stopped at or before the line of scrimmage, all right? So, wow, 13.9% of all runs against BYU have been stuffed. The rest of them have gained positive yardage 120th in America. So we, we can't get any pressure with the defensive line to frustrate the run game and we can't get any pressure with the defensive line in order to disrupt the pass game but dear god what could we do <laughs> without this fantastic recruiting talent that we're the deepest line that we've ever had come on what's the point of recruiting all of that i'm gonna assume that that's all true these kids are great kids and can play i'll take you at that word right Either you're lying to us about that, or it is the case, and we have an inability to maximize this talent that we have. But what's the point? Why, why put all our eggs into we need the deepest defensive line, we got to recruit there as hard as we can and get as many kids in as much as possible if the best we can do is be the 120 there's only eight teams in america with the worst defensive line they should be better right seems like they ought to be better so yeah <laughs> Ugh. Find a way to maximize what you guys can do. And I get it. You feel good about IU. And you feel good about Wilger. That's good. Juan Waloku, when he'll play, it'll be, you know, he's obviously a, a good player on the other side. We feel okay about some of the corners that we have. We, we do. We, we feel okay about some of these players that BYU has defensively. I, I think that there's talent that's there. I see talent on the football field. I'm seeing bad results. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. it. It's frustrating, and it's one of those things. You know, kids continue to come here at a high level, except for this last year. In terms of recruiting, they come here at the same level that they come with a program like Boise State. And Boise State takes those kids and turns them into a team that's a top 15 team in America every freaking year. Just about every freaking year. <laughs> and, you know, the Cougars, the Cougars 
don't. <sighs> so there you go. Obviously, all you needed to do against Florida, South Florida, South Florida didn't want to throw the football. I said this before the game. Challenge, <laughs> challenge that quarterback. See if he can beat you. Jordan McLeod can't beat you through the air. Are you kidding me? Come on. This has literally been the defensive scheme to beat your freaking offense since you've been the head coach here. All you have to do to beat us is put eight in the box and force us to throw. We can't. It's been the, it's been the story of the entire decade. <sighs> okay. 95th nationally in scoring defense. So congratulations on that. 35 points, 30.5 points per game given up by the BYU defense. So, you know, you got to you got to stop the big plays. You got to keep the opponent off the scoreboard, right? Just absolutely completely vital. <sighs> so, uh when you're when your highest it's a bad sign when the highest point total your offense has got all season is 30 points and your defensive scoring average is 30 and a half points. <laughs> like the top, the aberration, the highest point in your average is 30 points offensively and the average defensively is 30 and a half points. Yeah, yeah. And now you understand why BYU hasn't had the lead against anybody at the end of four quarters, after 60 minutes of football, BYU hasn't been able to beat anybody. Nobody this year. They've been able to win the absolute wild goose chase that is overtime because they had a great interception uh, and they, they made, they've made plays. Tyson Williams ran through like five freaking people. <laughs> and... And we had an interception against USC. That's it. It's like those two plays are like the only thing saving us from like one of the ugliest seasons in the history of BYU football. There is no superlative I can give that is too strong here. It's not good. And Boise is rolling. And so logic and everything that you know has to apply here it is not if you're a BYU fan it is not gonna be good this Saturday night against Boise State it just won't be how could it be you're gonna solve your problems and figure it out against that team I mean you couldn't solve your problems and figure it out against South Florida Ugh. All right. And with that, I will still be watching and engaged and hoping for the very best. Maybe the future of the program is found in Baylor Romney. Maybe he will be the one to take us to the promised land. But this again is the problem. Ultimately, we keep waiting for the one person to carry everything. And it just can't happen like that. It just can't happen like that. When you put all the hopes and dreams into the third string quarterback or the backup quarterback or even the starting quarterback. 
if things are broken above those players, it just doesn't work out. And look, I've heard interviews this week. I've, I've, I've seen the discussion. I've read the articles. You know, it sounds like that some former players are saying that, <laughs> that the, the BYU football program isn't, uh, isn't really invested in and supported by the administration. To which I say, what do they have to do? What do they have to do to support you guys? I'm sorry your locker room isn't state-of-the-art. <laughs> they just spend a ton of money getting people in the stands and, you know, 60,000 people show up and they get you on national TV every single freaking week and you have a student-athlete building with your own football offices inside of it and you also have the opportunity to eat a designed <laughs> meal that's put together for you at Legends. And you have the opportunity, couldn't go and get help there. What do the, what do they have to do? Because look, every other team, like to complain about Tom Olmo is nuts to me. It's nuts to me. Oh, well, he's not doing enough. He's the reason basketball and football haven't been strong recently. They need to invest more. Like, I don't know, build a Marriott Center annex so that basketball players don't have to practice in the RB anymore. What? what do, every, every single other sport on campus has improved. I mean, we've got teams in the top 10 in you know, track and cross country and, and volleyball and women's soccer. Like every, every other program has improved and gotten better. There's been investment made <laughs> in all of these programs to give them a better opportunity. They've all gotten better. What? So when I hear former players, you know, uh, in their interviews, Going, oh, well, you know, until they get serious about this. Like, what? They, we didn't get... Our weight room isn't super nice. It should be nicer. <laughs> right? Okay, well, great. Fine. Fine. <laughs> you still have the nicest weight room. Wait, I can't... I, I don't... Under, uh, you know... The, the oh Boise State well we lost to South Florida because you know they, I guess they had bigger stronger faster on the other side when you see Toledo's facilities they just make BYU's look like garbage Boise State's facilities are better <laughs> than you know every other team in the West come on I, I what do they have to do seriously. I, I just, I'm so baffled at the idea that it's a problem because the, the board of directors at Brigham Young University and the athletic director aren't supporting you enough. Oh, no. Come on. You've got, you've got so much support, it's wild.
it's it's absolutely wild. It it may not be as much as the support that you get at Clemson. It may not be as much, but guess what? We've got humanitarian projects that we take care of. <laughs> Hurricanes hit places around the world, and we help take care of them. And yet we still find ways to improve the stadium. We still find ways to give you your own field. If it's too cold outside or too hot, you can practice inside. We don't want you to to have, you know, we don't want you to get rained on or snowed on. Go go inside and practice, please. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, I don't buy that it's a structural issue. The human capital problem. And what it means is that there will be some degree of ebb and flow, meaning occasionally you're going to get a guy like Dennis Pitta on campus and it's going to work out and it's going to be like, well, holy crap, we're awesome. And Austin Collie's going to walk through and they're on the same team and you got Harvey Unga and the next thing you know, things are really cooking, <laughs> right? It's sometimes you're going to get some special top end talent that are just undeniable, a Jimmer for debt. And, and so that's all great. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, there's a certain kind of kid that BYU can get. They want to live the honor code. They have the grades to come here. And, and BYU can get a kid like that. And, you know, that's always kind of, look, they're not going to lower the academic standards. And they're not going to change the honor code in some massively huge, big reform. Could there be reforms? Of course there could. I think it's personally crazy that there's a higher requirement for appearance to take a test at the testing center than there is to go in and, you know, participate in ordinances to our Lord and Savior inside of his house. <laughs> I, I just think it's a little wild that they require more in some ways to be a BYU student following the honor code than is required to be a, a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and enter the temple. So I do think that there's probably some space for some reforms. But if the solution is BYU will play better football if their players can have long hair and beards, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> we should just give up. That's insane. That's insane. BYU is going to win more football games if guys can stay at girls' apartments past midnight. If we made it 3 a.m. instead, we're going to win two more football games a year. Come on. Come on. Five stars are just going to be flying through the door then. They can have a long hair and beard, and now the curfew's 3 a.m. Here we go. Let's go. Five stars. You're coming here, right? Come on. BYU is what it is, and they can be successful with what they are, and I think the administration does support them. If there's a communication issue, if there's any sort of tension between athletic director and head coach, then that needs to get ironed out and solved. 
And if players are feeling that grind or uh, whatever <laughs> between administration and coaching staff, then shame on administration and coaching staff. But, you know, <sighs> I, I just, I really, really, really struggle to see that. The biggest issue is that at any given time, there's only five people on planet Earth, right? I mean, there's a, a great handful of kids that would love to come and play sports at BYU. At any given time, there's only about five people on Earth qualified to be the head coach for any of the sports, and you, you got to luck out. Sometimes you're going to get a Jennifer Rockwood, a Stan Crump, a Lavelle Edwards. Sometimes you'll get Ed Eyestone. Right? Elaine Michaelis. Like, you're going to get really high-quality, great coaches. And you can get very, very good coaches, too. Right? Dave Rose. Very, very good. Um, you know? So, my point is, is if, if, if Bronco Mendenhall, okay? You, you can land very, very good. The problem is, is when you hire, you're guessing. You're guessing. And... The thing with BYU is, is it's really tough because you have five people to guess from and you, you hope that you can get them. And what happened this last time is they tried to get Ken Niamatololo. They couldn't get him. They tried to get Kyle Whittingham. They couldn't get him. <laughs> All right. So of the five people on planet Earth that are qualified to do it, that would want to do it, adding in the second caveat, now down to a few people, right? So then you you guess, you take your best one. You see how it works out. And that's the thing that I get frustrated with with all this is if, if the idea is, look, you're restricted because you just don't have that many people to pick from. It, it, it's a fact. And it's the biggest, it is the biggest positive defense for Kalani Satake. Well, who else are you going to get? And my point is, when you hire, you're guessing. When you fire, you know. That's it for this week's show. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I am sorry at the top I said I wouldn't talk about Kalani Satake and getting rid of him. But I guess I'm, I did. <laughs> I'm a liar. I was a liar about an hour ago. Sorry about that. I apologize to everyone who feel duped. Uh, speaking of feeling duped, Cougars will play Boise State on Saturday. <laughs> Hope the Cougars can come out and have a, a really important game and, and perform at a really high level. Uh, they're going to need to. They're going to have to play with, with high excellence and, and all degrees in order to win this football game. Um, we have not seen that uh, truly uh, this season. The closest we've come is the USC football game, uh, which had within it eight to ten plays that were improbable and uh, amazing. Cougars are going to need the same sort of thing uh, if they're going to hang in there with Boise State. Let's hope that it happens and uh, makes us all throw our hands up in the air and go, "I, pff, who knows? 
but at least we feel happy right now. Let's hope for that. All right, go Cougars. You can email the show, cougarcast at gmail.com. Tell your friends about the show. Thanks again for listening. I hope every one of you is doing well, uh, and uh, we'll see you next week.